Hello, and welcome to the Freedom Challenge online podcast. Here at the Freedom Challenge, we strive to do good by helping enslaved women and children to do more than you ever thought physically possible and to do it together by connecting women with a heart for a hurting world. We hope you enjoy your time being informed and encouraged with host Tracy Doherty and our amazing guests. So let's get ready and join Tracy for this week's episode. Hey, Freedom Sisters and listeners, I am happy, happy that you're joining me today for another episode of the Freedom Challenge Online. This is our 51st podcast. So that means last week we had a big celebration, 50 episodes recorded and released for all of our listeners. That's pretty awesome. Just celebrating that. Woo! It's been an amazing journey and some pretty incredible men and women have taught us, inspired us, shared about what they do, and it's been quite an honor. Now here we are in November and we're turning our focus to what big faith stories. And I'll be talking to some incredible people who simply saw a need and then joined God in offering what they had in their hands, in their heart, to meet that need. Sometimes vision can seem so ethereal and so romantic and so big, but so often it starts with a natural seed of desire of something we see that just doesn't feel quite right or something that's missing or something that just keeps popping up. And so I want to demystify this, what a big faith story looks like. It is not faith in our faith, but it is faith in a big God and his desire to partner with us. So whoever is listening, I hope your heart is stirred. Your vision is refocused. Things that you forgot about are resurfaced. And that as we bear witness to the raw and real and redemptive stories that include challenges and joy and the real walking out of faith journeys, that you will be encouraged. And in so, it would give you courage to step out in some areas that you feel called. So there really is a tremendous power when we share our stories of faith with each other. You know, we just kind of stir each other up. And so this month, as I said, we're going to be hearing from some pretty remarkable people, but I'm excited to have with you a new friend, Annie Reed. She is actually a colleague of mine through Operation Mobilization. She'll be able to share a little bit about that new journey for her. And I have to explain her as Southern Delight. Her energy lights up the room or the Zoom room because often we're on Zoom rooms these days. But her heart is also just swollen with this compassion and this vision that's infectious. And so I'm really thrilled to have her. I'm thankful that she joined out of her busy schedule. And so, Annie, would you introduce yourself, share a little bit about your life, your passions? Who is Annie Reed? Well, my goodness, Tracy, first and foremost, I feel like I just went to church. 
um, <laughs> and was truly inspired by your opening. Um, wow, just you lit a light within me that had probably been dimming a little bit over the past mm. few months. So I appreciate that. But yes, my name is Annie Reed. I am in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, I do work for Operation Mobilization. I'm actually the Southeast Regional Development Director for the organization here in the U.S. Um, and I've lived in Charlotte for a majority of my life, about 30, uh, 30 years. I'm actually born and raised in Mexico, um, right across the border in Chihuahua, Mexico. Hmm. But I've lived here a majority of my life with my husband and my four pups um, and just have really enjoyed being a part of this Amer uh, you know, American dream. Uh, my parents are entrepreneurs who left everything behind in Mexico mm -hmm. to come and start something new um, and have become a great success story in itself. So uh, everything about what you said in the beginning, just um, vision and you know, being called out is just a chance in all in in honesty, it's a um, translation of my life because mm. that's all I've ever known. Mm. Yeah, because it sounds like, and I, and I had forgotten that you're you came from a family of entrepreneurs and um, risk takers, and I think that's something that anyone who is in your presence, even just for a few minutes, feels stirred by, really truly. And um, it's interesting how often we do what we're mirrored and the beauty of your parents' story being tied in with yours and, you know, the courage that um, they quite probably imparted to you, but you, ha you had to take a hold of that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, both of us, as you said, are involved with a phenomenal organization called Operation Mobilization. And for those of you who did not know that Freedom Challenge engages women to ministry projects in operation mobilization that have to do with prevention, development, rescue, and restoration of vulnerable women and children. And so we have this shared commonality, which is, you know, this great organization. I Before we jump into actually what we're here to talk about, I'm curious about how this season has impacted you because it's been, I think, getting on a year with OM and unfortunately, most of us can't go many places yet. <laughs> but, um, you know, why did OM get your yes and how are you being impacted by this new assignment? OM is just a breath of fresh air. Uh, the organization itself uh, has a little over, well, it has over 6,000 missionaries in over 100 countries around the world uh, who are just out there to build Jesus followers, vibrant communities of mm. Jesus followers. And I think that's just beautiful. Um, I've worked in ministry for a majority of my career, and I've never seen an organization that has really uh, listened to the social motives, the cultural um, tendencies that are essential for us to be successful as Christians and building these communities around the world. Um, so I, I've only been here a year. It's actually a year next week. Mm. Um, so I'm still very green and learning a lot, but it's just the, the small portion of what this company has done over the past 50, 60 years um, is just 
it's a godsend um, to many parts of the world where they will never hear the name of Jesus. Mm. Yes so, and amen. Yes. And it's it's very exciting. I, I believe that we're not even at the peak of the movement um, that is to come as, uh, as a Christian community, mm. as a God-fearing woman. But I'm excited to see just uh, the small little strides that we're making, you know, whether it's in the Middle East or mm. in Africa, um, in these small little villages, and even in the in the big text um, cities, mm. we're still making an impact um, for Jesus. And it's amazing that in the 21st century, um, when so much of America is closing their doors for this Christian message, that so many others are opening up their ears. Mm. That's good. Yes, it's an honor. It's an honor to be a part of OM. Amen. I keep, I, I still fangirl out about it. <laughs> like there's still moments that I'm like, oh, I didn't even know that someone remarkable was doing that in this great organization. I, it's, it's just, I always feel in awe of how many quality people who deeply love Jesus. And as we're talking about entrepreneur, entrepreneurs or risk takers or thought leaders, I feel like OM really, um, encapsulates all that. And perhaps it informed a little bit of that part of you in your yes. Um, you recognizing that part of your life that you live out so well. So in addition to all that we just heard, uh, give me your, I mean, your husband does something very, you and your husband do something very interesting. I mean, this, we're not going to get too deep on that, but can you just share that real quick? Your, your, what you have created together. Um, Absolutely. Not your nonprofit, but your actual um, industry. Yes. Well, I can't take too much credit for it. My husband is the evil, or not the evil, the the mad genius behind it. Um, <laughs> but we actually own an off-road power sports manufacturing company uh, that he started out of his mom's garage when he was 17. Wow. And uh, so technically he started it without me. Um, I always say that I gave him the extra kick because it wasn't until we were married that he realized he needed a paycheck and this really needed to survive or he <laughs> needed to get a nine to five. Um, <laughs> but it's a lot of fun. So we build um, off-road parts, um, aftermarket parts for side-by-sides. Mm. is typically, um, it's our number one priority. And it's been inc an incredible journey. Right now we're doing some projects for like the forestry system, um, um, system around the Southeast. We're doing a lot with the, even the sheriff's department for, uh, we're putting them a side by side for rescue. So mm. we're doing some incredible work, but it's, it's been a joy to see him. He took what was essentially a hobby, which was going off road and made it into a career. Um, you know, we've, we're growing larger than we ever have. It's extremely successful. Um, this year has been the most successful year yet. And mm. it's, God is good. That's all we can say. Um, mm -hmm. Because he is just at the center of it and at the pinnacle point of it. It's, it's all about God and just the goodness of God just pouring into, you know, these men mm. who are just extremely talented and enjoy what they're doing. Congratulations. That's, that is a great story. And I think it leads us into just your whole life vocation, your, your yeses to 
the call of God on your life that's showing up with, you know, marketplace ministry and and your heart with OM and your care for, I know you love rescue rescuing animals. So like I said, your heart is swollen with vision and compassion. But what I really wanted you to share is this faith journey that you took. There was the seed deposited in you and then it has become a reality. And so share about that story, an overview of your nonprofit, and what sparked the, the desire in the first place? Sure. So the the nonprofit, again, it's God is so good. And I give him all the glory for all the success. We um, we've co-founded a nonprofit in 2012. Um, there was a small group of us. We were, there were five of us who were actually having a Bible study um, at a friend's house. He was in his late 60s, and this was, of course, during the pandemic – or not pandemic, but the recession. Mm. Um, And the recession hit everybody, even my parents. My parents at the time had owned a fairly large construction company, uh, a house on the lake, all the cars and toys that you could think of, and they lost absolutely everything um, Mm. during that recession. So we're sitting at this gentleman's house, um, a friend of ours, and he was about to lose his home. Um, He was already in foreclosure. He couldn't find a job, you know, late 60s. And so we we all were just pondering, you know, about the millions of people who were facing the same issue and why we weren't doing something about it. So we actually took all of our tithes that week. We were having a Bible study on Saturday. Um, we took all of our tithes that week and we gave it to this gentleman so that he could pay his mortgage for the mm. first time in three years. Wow. Um, and out of that was born uh, what is called COGUM. It's a nonprofit organization in Rock Hill, South Carolina. It stands for change. Church of God Unchanged Ministries, mm. and it helps uh, provide temporary housing for individuals who are just having difficulty, economic difficulty. Um, so there's a good portion of our attendants who are single parents and newly divorced. So they went from having two incomes to one, and they can't find anything affordable. Um, we have a lot of seniors that are living on Social Security. Which is, mm. and in all honesty, I think one of the worst stories of them. Can you, you I can't imagine being a senior citizen mm. who is having difficulty working and then asked to live on eight hundred dollars a month. Um, mm. It's just it breaks my heart. And then yes. of course we have people that just lose their jobs or just have difficulties for short periods of time, and we provide temporary housing to them. Um, so how the story really goes is we we paid for that gentleman's mortgage. And then we saw an opportunity. We formed the nonprofit and we actually formed the nonprofit before we even had the opportunity to buy the homes. Um, we just continue to pray into it, continue to, to have our Bible study. And one day a gentleman came up to us and said that he had about 50 homes in Rock Hill that he could no longer support and he wanted to get rid of. Um, and he was willing to sell us the homes for $1. Oh, my. Now, these are 50 homes. 
<clears throat> now, granted, they weren't in the best area at the time, of course. They were worth about $20,000 each. Mm-hmm. And he just couldn't, he couldn't offload them. Um, he couldn't sell them and he couldn't maintain them. So we actually bought about, we, at the time, it was around 49 homes for $1. What? $1. Yes. So like, it's a complete God story. I have to pause you here for a minute because I, I, I just, and I want you to continue on, but I, the, the natural way that this vision came up and, you know, thinking about you with your community in a small group, most of us, a lot of us, you know, could see ourselves in that situation. And all of a sudden you're seeing the need around you. You're experiencing it through your parents and you're willing to do whatever's in your hand which was, let's give our money to this individual so that he can pay his mortgage. And it's touching your heart in a very simple way. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, that faith, that small seed of you seeing a need and being willing to partner with God to meet that need as a community created a little miracle that you then had to step into. Amen. It's it's exactly what happened in all uh, what happened that day on that Bible study. It's just a moment that we'll never forget too. We actually got kicked out of church for giving that gentleman our tithe money. Um, the group of us that were meeting at that small Bible study were kicked out of church a couple weeks later and they, Whoa. you know, accused us of robbing them, robbing the church. Um, you know, that, Yes, yes. So it was it was a very interesting faith journey. Um, we were very close to that church. My husband and I still, at this point, we can say that we've never found a church where we felt more connected. We I, we would go to church, then we would go have lunch with our friends after church, and then we would hang out all day. There was a group of, of about twelve of us, and it. I mean, that church was family, and it was. Um. You know, it was friendship. It, we did everything with them. Uh, we spent all of our holidays together. It was just, so it was a really interesting um, situation that happened. You know, we, who would have thought that just because we felt led, we felt like the Holy Spirit was telling us, you know, we need to put our money where our mouth is that day and help this gentleman out, that it was going to lead for, you know, to us being asked yeah. to leave. It's interesting how that can happen um, when we step out in faith. Sometimes mm-hmm. we even experience opposition, right, in that mm-hmm. faith journey and the the institution of things that we're a part of or, you know, frustrated with. I mean, but the fact that you overcame that, didn't carry offense in your heart and continued walking forward is pretty remarkable. And I think it leads me to my next question, which was, you know, in every faith journey, no matter how invigorating 49 properties for $1 <laughs> or exciting, we have challenges and obstacles and breakthroughs and victories. And there's sweat equity in this God partnership that happens. You know, he loves to partner with us. Mm-hmm. And this is truly what this has been for you. 
And it hasn't been without, I'm sure, moments of um, what have felt like failures or what have felt like, how are we going to get over that obstacle? But then crazy miracles and victories. So maybe you could speak more into that and um, bring you know, shed some light on it. So it was extremely um, challenging, especially in the beginning. You know, the properties weren't kept up with just to get to the very um, flesh part of it. And properties weren't kept up with. It was in a pretty rough area of town. We actually bought the property without even looking at it first. Um, we just didn't want to pass it up. So we we bought it. We said, worst case scenario, you know, we'll hold on to it for a few years and we can always resell it. But um, after taking a look at the property, which I give a lot of credit to my parents in the situation because they owned a uh, construction company at the time and they really helped us get a lot of these properties livable. Mm. You know, it was neglected. Um, I don't know what the recession was like. I don't even know if people really remember the recession um, with what we're living through right now, but it was <laughs> tough. People, there was foreclosures left and right. I remember my husband and I, we were looking to buy a house during that same, around that same time period. People were like taking parts of carpet, like carving it out of just mm -hmm. random parts of the room. Um, you know, just to be spiteful, people were taking yeah. wiring off the wall. Um, yep. Annie, I'll pause you there. We bought our house during the recession. We live on a little over an acre. And this was a bank-owned house. It was completely destroyed. Everything possible was gutted out from sinks to toilets. Um, it was vandalized. Um, it, it became a blessing for us because we could see beyond that destruction to what God wanted to do. But to your point, I remember it. <laughs> it is not overshadowed by the pandemic. And um, yes, very much resonate with what you're saying. Yeah. So it, that's exactly the the problems that we face with this property. It was no different. And so we, uh, we got to work. You know, we rolled up our sleeves and started trying to turn these properties around as quickly as possible. Our, our goal has always been we don't want to make any money from this. Um, mm. our, it, it, this is not how we are going to live our life Um and so our goal was simply to rent for whatever we needed to pay the bills. Um, so we wanted to get them rented relatively quickly. And, um, and you know, we, we actually had a, an application online as soon as we got the properties done, which was about six months later. Um, and we actually had a, a, a wait list within the first few days. Um, and even now we still have a huge wait list and that's our, our issue now is how do we continue to provide for these individuals one without kicking them out, you know, because yeah. how do you, how, again, how do you tell a senior citizen who is living on $800 a month that, you know, his temporary housing is now, yeah. you know, no longer going to be renewable. Um, and they have to find somewhere else to live when there is nowhere else. Um, so we, we have a wait list even now of about 300 individuals oh, for, wow. and we, right now we have about 70 homes. Um, wow. so the, you know, how do we continue to, to fill these voids within society, um, to, to help individuals who are just unable to live otherwise? Um, mm. such a beautiful mission and just 
being able to see the story that you're weaving together and all the different places of society that you're influencing and impacting you and your husband in different ways, but a simple way to, you know, for anyone, again, I'm, I'm hoping that as you hear this story, it just stirs up in our listeners those little moments that they may have forgotten or bounced over that were in actuality seeing the need, being willing to meet the need, and then God desiring to partner with the miracles, the obstacles, you know, all the places in between. He's in all of those places, even now going to have 300 people on a wait list. There's a real need. We don't have enough to meet that need. How do we not compromise on that original vision and keep true to what we're supposed to do? And, Mm -hmm. you know, that's all the places that I'm sure you find yourself walking in dependence with God in. So maybe you can uh, talk more about, you know, uh, what has been the most fulfilling thing for you in this journey personally? How have you grown? And more so than, you know, 49 houses for $1 or now 70 houses with a wait list of 300 it's all amazing, but how has that drawn you closer to God? Goodness, that's that's a very large question. Um, we, I will say, you know, when I when this first happened, who would have thought that you could have bought forty nine houses for a dollar? Uh, that in itself was a miracle. I I've felt never like, heard of something like that. <laughs> and I I can't believe even now I look back on it and I, you know, did I live through that? Was that actually real? But it was. Um, so first of all, our God is a God of miracles. He is so good. You know, the door, I talk about a, a window opening. Um, he is still going to partner with us. He is still willing to use us as believers, you know, in this broken society, if we're willing to to put in work ourselves or not even that, if we're willing to even just acknowledge um, that there is a void that we can fill Hmm. as believers. Um, But even now, you know, 10, almost 10 years later, we, we actually, you know, again, it was a pretty bad area that we bought the homes in. What has happened since is we've been able to buy a majority of the land and property around that neighborhood, Mm. including a shopping center this past year, um, that we're going to start building. We're in talks with various different franchise uh, restaurants to bring in services for these individuals. Um, So even now, looking back, you know, a dollar was a miracle, but looking at what God is doing just within this community that was forgotten and a community um, that is often marginalized is God is just so beautiful. You know, he is, he has not forgotten about the meek. He has not forgotten about the poor. Um, So for me, as far as my faith is concerned, if anything, it just, it's amazing to see that God is still true to his word um, each and every day. You know, he is not, forgotten those that are lost. Um, Mm. 
Everybody that lives there has the opportunity to go to church. They have the opportunity to learn more about Jesus. They know that we're a Christian organization. They know that we're we're doing this all on his behalf. Um, and it's just, again, God's just incredible nature of just taking care of his people. Um, none of it would have been possible with without him moving mountains. Um, you know, what's the likely chance of a shopping center becoming available and going for sale within that same neighborhood and us even having the capital to to bid on it um, and then partnering with, you know, other organizations and, and companies that are willing to come into that community and help rise them. You know, our goal is not for them to live there forever. Our goal is for them to be on their feet so that they can thrive and be incredible, you know, individuals in society and um, and excel beyond these, you know, this little organization. Hmm. It, I see the parallel with your heart for OM about vibrant communities of Jesus followers <laughs> amongst the least reached. Like you're, you have a heart for the world in that, but even in these communities that you are able to shape and bring resource to. And um, it says a lot about you and hmm what you you know what you're even willing to do to say this will never be for profit it's it's from the flow of our hearts and then it seems like god's just keep continues to bring to you all that you've needed mm-hmm. to expand amen. in his time amen and i will say when i was younger growing up you know again going back to my to my story my parents had a pretty decent life in mexico uh, we weren't uh upper middle class, but we were, we were middle class. And my dad had the opportunity to come here, um, and work for a friend of his that he had worked for previously in California. So we packed up our bags. We literally came with just what we could carry and came for the American dream. For the first six months that we were here, we slept on his boss's floor. Um, Mm until we could afford an apartment. And then once we could afford an apartment, we slept on that floor and shared, you know, a can of green beans. Um, we, for us to have meat, it was once a month, maybe. Mm. And, uh, you know, eventually we were able to buy a mattress, not a bed, but a mattress. And my parents let my sister and I sleep on that mattress while oh. they continued to sleep on the floor for, for years. But it was because of just, everybody's kindness and goodness that we really rose above that. And of course my dad's hard work and my mother's hard work. Um, Mm. So we are, you know, I know what it's like to be in need. Um, I know what it's like to not have. And my parents, again, they owned a really successful construction company, lost everything. And then I always say that they tied their way to success again. They, they now own a larger company um, mm. and are well, incredibly well off, but it was because my mom never stopped tithing. She never stopped giving, even when they had none. So, mm. you know, these, these, communi- <clears throat> these small communities that really just need Jesus, that need just the, uh, it, I don't want to say that they don't need Jesus, but even if they just need love, you know, they yeah. just need attention. They need help. Um, I know what it's like to to be on that receiving end. Um, 
Yeah. I think what's unique about this particular vision that you're sharing, even in the temporariness of it, there is this match, this opportunity you're bringing to individuals that mirrors what you did. You know, you you had to put in the partnership. It wasn't 100% given to you. Someone met you and, and helped with needs, but you partnered practically and with God to move into some of those next places. And I can see kind of some of that strategy, even in what you're sharing, is that there is a temporary um, leg up for you to um, get what you need and learn what you're needing and maybe providing of healing or reprieve. And then with um, the anticipation that that would provide enough strength to move into, as you said, we slept on the mattress, mom and dad slept on the ground. And one day everyone had a mattress, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, there's something really just fascinating about all of that. Well, I'm really sad to say that our time has come to a close, but before we wrap up, I, if you have any resources that were helpful to you, books, resources, podcasts, anything, Along this journey of what we're talking about, you know, this big faith story, the need that you saw, the faith that you joined with God in, what, what, do you have any of those resources that you would like to suggest to our listeners and maybe um, any just helpful, helpful hints? (laughs) The number one resource that I would say is you need a good community, whether that's a Bible study, a fellowship, um, um, just some really good people that will push you and challenge you, but also be there for your for your failures and and your victories. Um, someone that's willing to partner with you, just like Christ is. You know, someone that's willing to sit there and say, you know what, we're going to walk out in faith and we're going to do this together. You know, if we fail, mm-hmm. we're all going to fail together. Um, I would have never have been in this position, even with my husband's company um, and the growth that we've had, had it not just been for some really good core individuals that were willing to feed into us. Um, You know, my husband and I have always had a saying um, that if you want to be successful, your friends have to be more successful than you. Um, Mm. But in the sense of not necessarily monetary success, just good Rounded people. And I think community for me um, was the number one reason that we were able to thrive. Wow. That's just good practical wisdom. <laughs> you are awesome, Annie Reed. I'm so grateful for just, um, I, I just hope that everyone who has heard falls in love with you as much as we all have at OM and can see your heart and be inspired by your faith story, your big faith story. And um, thank you for joining today. Thank you for having me. And I do pray that this inspires us to just make the world a better place. (laughs) Mm, Well stated. And thank you everyone for joining me today. And so until next time, let's continue to do good by helping enslaved women and children do more than you ever thought physically possible. 
So many things for you to look at on our website and to do it together by connecting with women who have a heart for a hurting world. God bless. Thanks for listening to the Freedom Challenge online podcast. If you liked what you heard, join the fight to set women and children on a pathway to freedom across the globe. We are a proud ministry of Operation Mobilization USA and encourage you to learn more at thefreedomchallenge.com and omusa.org for how you can get involved. Follow us on Facebook, on Instagram, at the FCUSA. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review to let us know what you think. We'll see you next time.